0: you're listening to the coding black females podcast where we'll be sharing recordings of our events and inspirational stories and discussions from black women in tech
1: Hello everybody, my name is Temi and I'm one of the newest editions of the Coding Black Females volunteer team and I'm helping out with the events and marketing. Welcome to our International Women's Day celebration. Welcome, Hello. welcome, welcome. And <laughs> um, This evening is all about celebrating you and celebrating what you have achieved within the world of tech. So without a further ado, I shall get straight on to um, our programme. Oh, I should probably share my screen. <laughs> that might help. <laughs> Amazing, can we all see that?
2: Yeah, brilliant. Yes. So, um,
1: this is the programme for the evening. I just wanna do a bit of quick housekeeping. Um, if I could ask everyone um, to just keep their mics muted whilst the talks are going on, but feel free to keep the cameras on. We would love to see your faces. Do engage in the chat function we want to hear your views and your thoughts um, which should be open and if you have any questions can I ask you to please keep them to the dedicated time for the Q&ampA um, and a and we will get all of our pa- um, speakers on a panel when you can ask them then and just a disclaimer we are streaming this live on YouTube hello everybody on YouTube and um, it will be available on our YouTube channel on demand so I, what is it all the youtubers say like and subscribe um, but Without further ado I will pass on to Charlene our founder.
0: Hi everyone! Okay so this is a very exciting year because this is the fourth birthday of Coding Black Females. Somehow since 2017 we have been running events, we have been bringing people together and we have been inspiring more Black women to stay in tech and to be in tech and that to me is really exciting. So I'm gonna just clap a little bit because it wouldn't be happening without all of you. So thank you all so, so, so much for everything you've done to be part of this community and to support the growth of this community as well. Um, For those of you who haven't heard of Coding Black Females before, we are a community um, to try and get more black women into the industry, but also highlight and showcase and spotlight the awesome women who are already in it, who are already doing great things so it's it's great to be able to bring people together. I do miss being in a room with all of you. I can't wait to hug everybody again. It's been such a long time since I've given you all a hug and said hey happy like whatever day it is. I don't know so I'm really excited that we're all here. Um, Over the last year we've had a lot of programs running. We have run the the first boot camp we've ever done before which we've been running for the last year with um, Neo Enterprise and some of you here have either been on that boot camp learning or you have been volunteering, mentoring and supporting people. And that's a huge achievement for us to be able to have brought people together to learn with other black women to get into the industry. That's super exciting. And we've also been launching program after program after program to learn new skills, to partner with organizations, to to really get involved and really get your face out there as well. So please keep an eye out for what we've got coming up. We've got a lot of things coming up this year and I don't think it's going to stop. There's going to be so much more to come. So do get involved and make sure that you get the most out of this community because every, everything we're doing is for you. It's, it's for everybody who's in this network. Um, and if there's anything that you want from the network, do get in contact and reach out. And as always, thank you so much to all of the team for making everything happen. And um, we couldn't do it without you. There's no way that we could run events twice a month, sometimes more than that we couldn't run all the programs we run, we couldn't be engaged with all of you over email, over, over Slack, over WhatsApp, over Telegram, everywhere you need to contact us, we're there and we want to make sure that nobody is on their own anymore as a Black woman in tech because we're together. So thank you to everyone who is part of that and part of making it happen um, and let's keep on going and whatever you want from us, let's make sure we can make it happen. Thank you, back to you, Temi
1: amazing well thank you very much charlene and hopefully hopefully we'll be able to meet up at some point this year i haven't just jinxed it but fingers crossed and we've got a great lineup for you today we have five amazing speakers um and I am going to stop talking and um, pass over to Caroline. So we will be hearing from Caroline first and she'll be talking around the topic of a tech journey. Um, she'll be sharing her working experiences and exploring why we need to get visible, ways to do so without coming across as a quote and unquote, a big headed narcissist. So
2: Caroline, um, I'll hand over to you. I'll stop sharing my screen. So I will tell you a bit about me. So um, I'm Kenyan born and bred. I came to the UK many moons ago to do my my degree in tech. And I've stayed here since. I started out as a developer, then moved on to a database administrator and recently as a a consultant. And just last year, I decided to um, transition to coaching, which is where I do... I love my work, and some of that is through giving workshops and talking to women in tech. So I'm very passionate about bringing about change and transformation. And through the work that I've done on myself, I feel very much like a woman reborn. And my mission is to have more women doing the same and living full lives. So just to recap. My mission is to see women in tech step up, play big and thrive. Um, um, As I said, I've worked in tech for about 17 years. And in that time, I've seen some women go on to leave tech because they feel a bit broken by being in tech, the system or the way they've been treated. And my mission is to actually empower women so that when they're entering tech, they're protecting their self-esteem, they're confident. They know who they are. They go for um, different opportunities and just really, really thrive in tech. And what I very much want to see as well is um, to see more women in C-suite positions, especially uh, black women. So that's what I'm here for. Okay, so I will start our presentation with a quote that I came across the other day, which says you've got to find a way to make people know you are there. And this pretty much covers what I'm going to be talking about today. So this is my story. So I graduated from uni back in uh, 2004 and I went in thinking um, I needed to work hard, keep my head down because my work would speak for itself. I thought that the, that was the way to get myself promoted and to get recognition, and for a long time I did just that. So um, as I said, I started as a developer and then I moved on to a database administrator and I spent a long time as a database administrator. I was very, very frustrated because I just could not move past that. I knew I was, so, I was capable of so much more, but I was just not getting promoted. And as I said, I was living in hope and prayer that my hard work would get me promoted. It didn't. I was hoping that my manager would speak up for me. After all, he knew all the hours of overtime I was doing. He knew um, how you know the projects I was running and 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 delivering. I still stayed as a DBA for years. Um, I was very wrong. <laughs> that was not the way to get ahead. Um, and about about five six years ago, I I kind of decided to to change tack because what I was doing before was not working and it was only through uh noticing the people that were coming behind me for example and getting promoted that I realized ah I actually need to start praising uh start taking responsibility for my own growth and start talking about what I've achieved and 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 getting myself known to the power players so um I did that and as I say within the space of a year and a half Uh, I went from being a DBA to a client-facing consultant and in that time I was promoted to be a manager to DBA manager from that I was able to showcase what I was responsible for what I could do and now I work as a client-facing consultant and and this is something that I've always wanted to do it's very exciting Um, and where I am at the moment is I I lead my own work stream in delivering software which is fantastic um so um at the moment as i've said earlier i transitioned to coaching as well because in my work as a as a consultant i found that i was doing a lot of mentoring of women especially and i wanted to to elevate that a bit more so i now work as a as a mindset coach as well and um as i said the key was putting myself out there and becoming visible So visibility, in a nutshell, is um, presenting yourself in a way that makes others stop and take notice of who you are and the value that you bring about. So why become visible? Why did I decide to become visible? Because I was stuck for a long time. I was stuck and I was very, very frustrated. I was working very hard. Which is what somebody had told me to do: work hard, you'll get promoted. Sadly, it did not happen. I just stayed within uh, within that same role as a DBA. Um, you know, I would move companies, and still I was a DBA. Move companies, still I was DBA. It, it just wasn't happening. I needed to change strategy. So by being visible, it can make or break your career. It certainly has made mine. I mean, for those of you that follow me on LinkedIn, um, you know, by being visible. In, in terms of being a promoter of women in tech, it's opened up so many, many doors for me. And uh, what I'm doing as well is I'm giving this this talk, which before I, I just would not have been able to do that. It also increases your exposure to higher ups. So if you know the power players in your organisation, they're able to know what you do. They're able to know what you're uh, capable of. And when it comes to reviews, for example, or when there's any meaty projects about uh, somebody will say oh I know Carolyn she's done ABC she should be able to do that and you're you're going to be the person that somebody will say I know who they are I know what they're capable of we can definitely give them that gig it makes you stand out and I know how difficult it is sometimes to think oh I don't want to stand out because I may say the wrong thing because I may look stupid etc but without actually doing that you know you may just end up being stuck like I was for years doing the same role and as I've touched on already at the forefront of food to promote because people know what you're capable of and this was a tough lesson for me you cannot rely on your manager because I was having fantastic reviews you know I'd get the bonus and everything but I was not really getting what it is that I wanted which was to get promoted and, and move departments for example because My manager wanted to keep me where I was because I was good at what I did, but I did want more and I could not rely on my manager to advocate for me to get promoted. And then there's also this thing about enjoying your job. Um, I know how important it is to feel valued and recognised. And when you're just stuck, you know, it becomes that monotony of I don't want to go to work, I don't feel valued, you feel a bit down, etc., um but when you do really get that recognition then you do enjoy your job you do enjoy um going to work and and again it's that domino effect of you're enjoying your job you get recognized you get promoted you get given more meeting projects etc and there's a there's a perception as well and i write i write about this a lot i talk about about it a lot about the fact that sometimes we will go into meetings and not say anything we'll just keep quiet and then I've caught myself doing this, where I want to say something, and then somebody will say something, and I think oh, I wanted to say that, <laughs> um, and 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 there you go, that's it, it's gone. So when you're in a meeting and you're not speaking up, the people are going to be thinking, oh, why were they invited in the first place? What value are they adding? So there's that sense of perception as well that um, if you're not showing up, you know you're giving out a negative perception. If you're showing up, people know who you are uh and that you have an opinion okay so what gets in the way of being visible um i know for a fact how how challenging it can be to 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 become visible um personally it's a fear that um i've learned to face uh, in the face <laughs> and just to tell it where to go but i do recognize how difficult it is to to make yourself become visible Because there's that underlying vulnerability of, you know, I could say something and I would come across as being uh, incompetent and intelligent. People will think, what will they think of me, for example? Will they think I'm showing off? Will they think I'm a misknow-it-all? There's there's all these underlying fears that do come into play when you think about uh, making yourself visible. And also there's the risk of if I put myself out there then what um and and I always use this underbelly um I'm showing my underbelly to others They're, they're going to get to know about me um and some of that I don't want them to know or you know again going back to what are the people going to think of me so that will definitely get in the way of putting yourself out there and becoming visible So just a few pointers in terms of um, how to increase your visibility. Um, and as Temi said earlier, without coming across as narcissistic or, or showing off. And um, one of the things we can do that is by speaking up in meetings. So we've all got opinions. We're all very, very smart and capable. So when we're in a meeting, just speak up, give your opinion. You've been invited to that meeting for a reason, not as a passenger, but because you've got something to say. So I just invite you to give your opinion, ask questions, um, because especially for the person that that could be running that meeting, for example, they will see that you're actually engaged, that you're actually interested. And I always say, um, I always say that there's nothing like stupid questions, because I know there can be a fear of asking a stupid question. But chances are, you're not the only person who's wanting to, to ask that question, so you might as well. And you will get noticed for that. Expand your network. Um, before I started being visible, I would, as I said, sit at my desk, put my head down and work hard. You know, I thought time for coffee and, and time for lunch was a, a, a complete waste of time. How wrong I was. Um, so I've learned to have a genuine interest in people. You know, i ask about their dog. I'll ask about... Um, You know what they did for the weekend and people are usually really surprised about that, you know that you remember things about them. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we have to realize that we are working with people, we are working with people and when we show real genuine interest and care for others they are going to remember us. And you will be surprised in terms of when it comes to to getting promoted or being given, uh, you know, meaty chunks of projects to do. Sometimes it's not about, you know, somebody being 100% capable, but it's how is somebody going to work with others, which is very important, for example, when you move from working just, you know, on your own to deliver a piece of work to managing a team, where you really need to have those interactions Volunteer for new projects that will stretch you. Um, I know it's scary. I've done it, um, and it will really raise your profile. I'll I'll give an example of um, being asked to to deliver a, 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 an upgrade project, which I'd never done before, <laughs> um, and I was I was uh, I was reporting to somebody quite quite senior in the organisation. I was absolutely terrified. I will not lie to you, but what that did for my visibility and for my profile was absolutely amazing i delivered and and that really elevated me in terms of the higher ups ask for what you want um it sounds really simple but um sometimes we, we we just you know go to a review and your manager says are you happy and you say yes but deep down you're not you're thinking oh i want to do something different but you know there could be fear they will think you want to leave the team etc but I always say, if you don't ask, you don't get, and no one is a mind reader. So just be really clear about what it is that you want, and ask for it. Um, I talk about lifting others and complimenting others. Um, I'm, I'm very much about the empowerment of of, of others and and celebrating them. So. Um, You know, we don't always do it, but a really good way to do that is to is to advocate for others, for example. And develop a positive attitude. I know how challenging that is when things are not going very well well at work. It could be that processes are not working. It could be that you're overworked. It could be that you're short staffed. But I say instead of um, instead of complaining and, and, and all that, you know, just look for solutions, because at the end of the day, um, for example, your manager is when you go to your manager, they don't want to hear about everything that's not working. They want to hear about what can you do to help? And when you start to develop that mindset of how can I make my managers work a bit easier? or how can improve processes for example definitely you start getting your way ahead of um, of being visible back to uh, talk to your manager talk to people talk to your hr department about uh, upcoming opportunities um i've put a note there about not stepping on anyone's toes because um depending on the relationship you have with your manager they may feel as if you're of a step in the mark so it's very, very important to know what's the culture of the organisation you're working for, what's the um, relationship that you have with your manager, just so that you are not uh, spoiling the relations that you, you have at the time. And that is what I have for you um, with regards to visibility. And I will leave you with a, a quote again, which I came across the other day which says the silent workers get lost in the endless darkness of the corporate world. So um, what I'm leaving you with is for some of you, you may be happy just to keep your head down, work hard and code or do whatever. And, and that is absolutely fine if that's your end game. But if your end game is to rise and rise and rise, then from my experience, keeping your head down and working hard is not enough. get you there because there's going to be somebody else who is going to be working just as hard but they're going to be working a bit smarter and shouting about what it is that they have achieved so these are my details i would love to connect with you Uh, on linkedin you can find me and uh, my email address i will leave you with as well i will hand you over to temi temi thank you very much
1: Thank you so much, Caroline. Thank you so, so much. I think the key takeaways there are work hard but also work smart. And I like the expand your network. For those of you who are on the call, we have got a networking session later. This is a perfect opportunity to do so. But thank you very much once again. Amazing. So next, we are staying on the topic of a tech journey, and Yem is going to tell us how she got into the field of technology and how a non technical background helped her to secure the role. She'll also touch upon the importance of using your knowledge gained from academia to complement your field, complement the field of technology. So, Yem, are you here?
3: Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Yemurai Rabvukwa. I'm a technology scientist, um, forward slash scientific officer, working for a medical technology startup based in London. We're looking to create a revolutionary COVID-19 testing kit. So in this presentation today, I'm going to talk about my journey into tech, and I really want to highlight how your non-technical background could help you in the field of technology because it means that you'll be a niche and you'll be in high demand, especially as there a lot of people don't realize that having a non-technical skill set can actually be very useful within the field of tech so I'm just going to plug myself shamelessly plug myself I have a youtube channel called stem babe and as part of that youtube channel I try and bring on women um, but I'm expanding now to men as well to talk about their experience working within the field of technology and science as well so please be sure to um, subscribe to that Okay, so I'm going to talk about my journey into tech. It's quite unconventional as I've done a range of different things that are completely not related to tech at all. Um, So to begin with, I actually started out uh, doing a mini pupillage. Um, I did a mini pupillage because I wasn't really sure um, about what I wanted to do at that time. I had no interest of going into tech. I had never been inspired into going into tech. It just wasn't a thing. Um, and so, yeah, I did a mini-pupilage for that, but I'm going to go back into why that could be useful in the future and why that could be useful within tech. Uh, following on from that, I decided to take the careers route of doing um, sciences. So I studied chemistry um, at the University of Liverpool. I originally wanted to do medicine, but I didn't get in. But either way, I still managed to get into the field of medicine with the job that I'm doing now. So it was an unconventional route into medicine and technology um following on from that I did a um I was a digital brand ambassador for Soap and Glory um at that time I was just sort of promoting their products and doing video editing and stuff like that um which has actually been very useful within my job right now um then after that I did the PwC Tech Academy program this was during my first year of university and that's when I Got my first insight into technology, but I wasn't really interested in technology. I just went along because, you know, in first year, people said do Spring Insight Week so you could get an internship and then hopefully get offered a graduate job. So I had a sneak preview into what it was like being a data analyst, a cybersecurity and a tech consultant. But it wasn't really something that I had thought about. I just wanted to have PwC on my CV and I just wanted to have some Spring Insight Week. Following on from that, I um, studied abroad um, at the University of Ottawa in Canada, and that sort of sparked my interest for travelling. So even now, when I apply for jobs, I look for jobs that are international because I've had that experience. And then in my fourth year of my um, academic studies, um, I actually stud- I went to China. And in China is where it opened my eyes um, because I realised how technologically advanced China is. And um, it kind of sparked my interest for technology because when I was there, they were using 5G. And also they have a really interesting platform app called WeChat. So WeChat, let's imagine like WhatsApp, for example, imagine on WhatsApp, you could book flight tickets, you can book train tickets, you can subscribe to newsletters um you can um share stories on there you can do anything and everything on wechat you can make payments you can go to a shop and make and pay for things which is a technology that has already been established in china and i very um i can definitely see that being something that the uk will adopt with things like whatsapp so from then on i realized that you know in terms of technology the uk is not as technology technologically advanced as would like to think it is but i always just found it interesting um and saw how it could be used within the UK. Okay, and so then, um, because that was in 2019, I was meant to be in China for the year. Um, Unfortunately, um, I was at sort of at the forefront of when coronavirus happened. So during Chinese New Year, I went abroad, Um, And then during Chinese New Year, everyone travels abroad. So all the Brits go to like, you know, Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam. So I was in Australia at the time. And I was set to return back to the UK. I mean, set to return back to China for the second semester after the Chinese New Year celebrations. Um, but unfortunately, that got got, caught, got cut short um, because of coronavirus, of which we were at the forefront. Um, so we were forced to come back to the UK. We weren't allowed to go back to China, having left everything. But fortunately, I had another opportunity to get into tech um, because I had to look at, um, I was part of the semester in industry programme. And as part of the semester in industry programme, we were looking at how technology was being used in the field of education. So we were looking at ed tech. And so as part of that it sort of sparked my interest in technology because I looked into how virtual reality was being used to help doctors um train and uh, medics on how to perform a surgery and also as a chemist um, I was interested to see how virtual reality was being used to help um, students understand things like molecular bonding and um, things like that so I had Um, researched into technology more focusing on virtual reality and applications of technology within education and then from there on um, i actually decided you know what i'm going to go into technology Um, Prior to all of this, whilst I was in China, before I was inspired to look in technology, I was actually applying for investment banking jobs and stuff like that. But then I had a complete change of trajectory um, after having, um, you know, research into virtual reality. Um, But also um, there's a lady called Yasmin and her story of um, getting into DevOps and into cloud computing. So that sort of changed my trajectory into looking more into tech. Um, and so then I decided to join the Code First Girls program. And as part of the Code First Girls program, we, um, I did the introduction to web development. So that was a really good opportunity for those of you who are looking who are to get into tech. Um, during the Code First Girls program, um, you, every week for two hours, you learn about um, a different topic. And in my case, it was HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And that was a really good sort of stepping stone for me to get into tech. Um, Because I was able to do a project and successfully complete it, and it was virtually as well. So I think that really helped my journey to tech because it showed outside of my academic reading, I was actually partaking in a project and, you know, something to show on GitHub um, to employers if they're to ask for any of your technology um, portfolio. Then following on from that, I decided, you know what, I don't want to do a master's in computer science, I don't want to spend £9,000, um, and I just couldn't be bothered for education, I was tired, I was over it, um, so I thought, you know what, let me do a tech course, so I'd been looking for tech courses, and some of them were charging 9000 um and stuff like that and I just thought I'm not I'm not paying that you know why would I pay 9000 pounds when I know I can get this stuff for free so fortunately for me I bumped into the Infotech um talent program and basically, the, the purpose of this tech programme was to encourage um, technology innovation in the North. Um, they're trying to improve and um, make the North the technology hub of uh, the UK, I think Manchester in particularly. So they were looking to upskill people in the North to be more involved with technology. Another really interesting thing about um, the the tech course that I signed up to was looking at the industry industry for revolution, so the industry for revolution is looking at how manufacturing companies um, how manufacturing companies can um, use technology such as cloud computing to help um, maximize their efficiency and stuff like that and that's where i was introduced into the world of cloud computing and i gained my aws certified cloud practitioner exam and the most important thing of this tech course again is the fact that i did a project and that was something that i could speak about in an interview and add to my github portfolio Um, And then again, um, I did the Tech Talent Academy because um, I thought, you know what, let me continue. I felt my coding skills weren't great and I still have a lot of work on that. So I did the Tech Talent Academy, which was free and for women and based in the Midlands. Um, And that gave me the opportunity to have an introduction into the different programming languages that are out there and to see which programming language I'd like to focus on having completed the tech course. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about how I got into the role and to highlight the importance of why my non-technical background was, um, you know, really useful. So in today's society, every sort of industry you are in, we are looking at using technology to help advance the industry, to help uh, maximise efficiency and stuff like that. So um, my chemistry background was very useful because the job that I do now involves a lot of science, a lot of experiments, but also a a lot of analysis as well and also my understanding of cloud computing. And um, I think it's really important that, you know, someone who's working within my company has a scientific understanding, even if they're hired for a tech role, because when we're trying to explain to them to do things, it's really hard to sort of execute that, or they may not be able to fully execute it as well as they could do if they had a good science understanding. Um, I also think I was very enthusiastic. uh, My manager, the director, Um, of the startup casino's enthusiastic and he could see that you know i'm passionate and i'm willing to learn and get on the job and also it's niche as well um i think having and being able to combine technology to a non-technical background makes you very niche because there aren't that many people who would be knowledgeable in let's say chemistry and technology um so i think that definitely helped um, because in the role again like i said it's pretty much paramount that you have some sort of um biological or scientific understanding. Um, so h- how can we apply um, non-technical backgrounds to the field of technology? So I mentioned how I did the mini pupillage, even though that has nothing to do with technology. Um, what you will find is that if you're working for a startup or you're working for a company that's coming up with several, something revolutionary within the field of tech, you are going to need tech patent lawyers. So if you're interested in law and you're also interested in technology, patent law and technology, so is a field that you may want to go down. And that, of course, is a niche as well. Um, so... Um, that 's just one application of it, um, also for example, um, the cloud computing. I mentioned how you know um, it was being used in the manufacturing industry, so if you worked in the manufacturing industry from the bottom up and you had technology. Um, skills would be very useful in some of the problems you were trying to solve because you would have the experience of working there but also you'd have the technology skills to help overcome those problems another thing is if you're a teacher technology something like cloud computing would be really useful for storing student records if you work in the medical industry or You know, um, as a doctor or a nurse, cloud computing, again, would be very useful for things like doing patient records. In the retail industry, uh, cloud computing would be very useful for consumer records. If you work at like Sainsbury's or TK Maxx, that retail knowledge, you could work in the IT department of that uh, retail company and be extremely useful because you've worked from the ground up. You know what the issues are and you know how technology could be used to maximize the problems that are associated there. In the, in the instance of machine learning, again, um, you need a scientist to um, help train the machine learning programs to understand the severity of a disease and then train the machine learning program to do so. It's very hard to do that if you don't have a scientific background and that can be applied to um, anything, not just within science, but um, all other things as well. Um, and then example, even virtual reality, um, virtual reality wasn't, I mentioned how virtual reality was being used in the field of edtech, but virtual reality is also being used in the field of manufacturing um, as a way of offering a training program, especially in these COVID times where, um, you know, the technical IT specialists aren't able to do so. So one of the things that they were um, thinking of doing was um, using Google lenses and these Google Lenses or Microsoft Lenses basically show workers how to um, so the IT specialist will be um, on the Google Lenses and they'll be showing the worker at the manufacturing company how to um, sort of correct the problem. So I'm going to show you a video just quickly, um, a video, I think if my notes are on here. Um, Yeah, I hope uh, that hopefully uh, you could see what I was trying to get up there. Um, how technology is affecting all parts of industry. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, so that brings me back to, um, that's the end of my uh, presentation. And uh, like I said, um, please make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. You add me on Instagram, STEM underscore babe underscore, or if you want any more information um, about the field of medical technology or technology in general, then feel free to email me on stembabe at outlook.com.
1: Thank you so, so much. Yeah, that is amazing. It's great to hear your journey so far. And if there's anyone on the call who's like and that doesn't want to spend £9,000 on going back to uni and retraining, just a little plug here. We still, applications are still open for our Maker Scholarship and our Black Coder applications are still open. We'll send around the details in the post event email, along with everybody's social media. So don't worry, don't have to scribble it down or go and run over to YouTube just yet um, to subscribe to stay. Babe, Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. So now if I just share my screen again, um, we're going to hear all about learning new skills. So we have Isabel who will be showing us features of GitHub that make you stand out to potential recruiters and engineers that are looking to hire you. So, Isabel, I will stop sharing my screen and um, thank you.
4: So hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Isabel. And I want to talk about how to make your GitHub profile stand out. What I want to talk here is a couple of hacks that you may or may not know about how to tweak your GitHub profile. Certain things you can make to improve it, and I will also talk a little bit about um, I will also talk a little bit about readmes because projects are part of your profile. Uh, and yeah, ba- basically, I, I, I want to, you all to have rockstar uh, profiles on GitHub, because it's really easy to do so. And here we go. So why should you care about this? Why, why care about uh, the GitHub profile? So this talk is a little bit more targeted to developers. So if you're a developer and you're applying to jobs, you probably have a GitHub profile with a couple of projects there. Uh, of course, it depends on your experience. Perhaps you're coming out of a bootcamp. Uh, or not, or you're doing completely self-taught journey, uh, but you may have projects that you keep on GitHub or any other Git hosted uh, website that you want to showcase, uh, where you want to showcase your uh, skills. Uh, and I really feel that if you have a really good GitHub profile, you can leave a very good impression to recruiters or hiring managers that may be looking to your profile when you apply for jobs, right? Uh, so, I'll talk a bit about how to um, the things you can do on your GATIP profile. We'll talk about the profile sidebar, uh, personal readme, activity, pinning repos, contributing graph, and organizations. And for that, I will leave this aside. And I want you to show a little example of my profile. Uh, I want to just talk about logistics and not exactly the content here. So, let's think about the profile sidebar. So what are the options you have here? You have the username, the username comes you know, when you create the account. Uh, you have the name that you can customize it. You have a bio that has a limit. I don't know exactly the limit, but you can put here whatever you want, and you can tag uh, organizations. Um, you can also put the, an organization. Uh, It can be an open source organization you're part of, can be an organization you work for and has a GitHub account. Even if they don't have a GitHub account, you can just write a simple text there. You can put the location. There's no limit to um, the location. There's no uh, way to verify it. So that's why I have Portugal or UK because I'm either in Portugal or UK. Uh, So for example, if you're looking for jobs in London, And you want recruiters to see your profile and take it seriously in terms of, okay, she's looking for uh, jobs in London. You can put here London UK. Uh, You also have an option to put a link. This link can be anything you'd like. Can be your portfolio? It could be LinkedIn, could be a medium profile, uh, a blog, whatever you'd like. There's also an option to put your Twitter handle. Uh, This is fairly recent, I think latest last year. Then there's a the highlights portion, which is not completely uh, editable by the user. Is uh, uh, GitHub showcases certain badges um, uh, depending on your activity. You also have organizations. So these organizations, I'm looking at my profile right now, but if I would look at uh, um, in incognito mode, you'll see that some organizations are not here. And this is because by default when you join an organization uh your membership may not be visible so i'll show you an example here at this community so if i go here Isabel about Costa, you can see that uh i'm yeah I, I have this public and you can have this private so it's completely up to you um uh I see sometimes that certain organizations don't have anyone with the membership visible. So I just don't put visible because maybe it's a um, uh, not a rule, but I, I just like to follow convention. But there's some organizations that you may be very active on that you want to show, okay, hey, I'm a part of this organization. So that's the sidebar and uh, ways to edit. Of course, you can edit the profile here, but you can also go to settings and there's a field that it's not visible there but you can also make your public uh, email visible you can put your email and make it visible there Uh, and that's where also you can put your twitter username the company i could put just um, simple text Uh, so yeah so now that i talked about the sidebar yeah and and you can put a photo uh, put whatever folder you like if your personal brand for example uh, you know, if you build it around um, uh, a public character, um, a, a drawing, for example, use the drawing, whatever photo you feel comfortable with, okay? So the other thing I will talk about is personal READMEs. This is a fairly um, recent thing, also added on GitHub. Basically, you can create a repository with the same name as your username, and whatever you have on the readme will showcase in your profile. And this can make for really cool stuff. There's some really uh, cool rhythms out there. Uh, for example, this one. You, you can be very creative about it. Uh, I really like this one as well from Monica. You can be very creative here. You can have uh, things that move. Uh, I just don't have it because I'm not creative enough. So I just I, I just put things blandly and links, and that's enough for me. Um, and I can send this thing. Um, to everyone uh, on Slack or on chat, just so you can have inspiration. There's people who have uh, plenty of stuff, images, badges. Uh, yeah, people can do crazy stuff there. Um, so you can have a personal readme. Anyone can have these on their profile, okay? Uh, another thing I want to talk about is in repos. So by default, uh, GitHub will choose the popular uh, Repositories that you have and showcase them. But you have an option to customize these pins uh, to show uh, the repositories you really want to showcase. And here I chose a couple that are personally mine, for example, smart home project. And I chose some that I contributed to because I can also showcase the projects I have contributed in an open source manner. So projects that are not mine, but I contributed to. Uh, and I basically just choose the narrative here. Another thing, uh activities uh, or contribution contribution graph. You may also not know that you can hide your private contributions. So I could choose for my private contribution to not be reflected in the green um, in the green squares. And also um, you might not know, but to get these green scare, uh, squares, it's not just about commits. If you create an issue, that, give you, that gives you a green square. If you review pull requests, that also counts. So, because they are open source contributions, so it's, it's visible here. And yeah, that's basically what I have to say about there. And in the activity, basically whatever you do in a public way on GitHub, it will be shown here. Uh, the issues you create, the pull requests you review, um, the uh, yes, the repositories, the commits, uh, and these all counts for your profile, right? What more? Yeah, I think I said it all from here. So now about making your projects shine and what do I mean about this? So imagine you're looking for jobs and you have a couple of projects that you want to showcase. You want to pin them in your profile and show uh, to a recruiter, hey, I'm really proud of this um, project. So a couple of things I want to say. Imagine a recruiter looking at your project. They may or may not be technical. So they may not care about looking into the code um, and running it. They may just care about what is this project about. So my general advice is if the project has user interface, show the user interface. So here's an example. This was an Android app that I did. And I built a wireframe and I put it here. So you can come here and know straight away what this is about. Uh, And also, because there's some backend involved, I described a little bit the backend here, not a lot. I could have expanded this and explained uh, what what is the data that uh, these endpoints returned. Um, I talk about the features of the app. I talk about technicalities of the app, the libraries that I use, the modules, so that someone can understand the project. Uh, For example, if it's a backend uh, API, or if it's a project that you run on the terminal, make sure that anyone can run your project without having to reach out to you right so they may want to look at your project and uh, just be able to do everything and see your project running in their local environment um, just by reading uh, the reading so yeah and other things you can know as well so this project is archived so i cannot even change anything here but it's very important that uh yeah okay i i want mine this is from the organization but i want my fork so in your projects, you can edit the description and this is very important because this is what shows up in your profile uh here if you don't have a description for the repository you're showing this will appear as empty and that's not good right because someone looking at your profile may not even look at your project uh so you can set the um the description, you can set the I'm a little over time. Let me just wrap this up. You can set up the website, uh topics, topics are awesome because topics will show up in here. So when someone goes to your um the project page, they will know about straight away. Oh, okay. So this is Flask, Python, it's um I get what this project is about. So I talked about the deployed link and a stretch, uh, if you really want to go the extra mile, you, for your own project, you could create issues and PRs so that people know about uh, your project's progress. For example, for my website, even though I'm the only one working there, uh, I create issues so that people know what is my roadmap and the priorities I have for the project. Uh, and again, these are open source contributions. In sh- it shows on your contribution graph and it shows I have a vision for the project, uh, for uh, a site project. Okay. And yeah, you can also create pull requests even if you're the only one working. Uh, a little thing that I want to also talk about is just, you know, once you have that Rockstar profile on GitHub promote it on your LinkedIn. You can put it on your summary, you can put in the personal links, you can put uh, when you list projects that you've worked at, you can link uh, the projects link on uh, GitHub. You can also link these on your resume, your portfolio and so on. And the last little thing, a bonus, uh, you know, if you you want to make even more out of your uh, GitHub profile, you can also contribute to open source. And just a little tip that I can expand on uh, out of this call: um, if you want to find projects to contribute, think about projects you know, or go to Code Triage website. Think about organizations that participate in open source programs, like Google Summer of Code, that is running right now, or explore projects by tech on GitHub. And that is it. Uh, there's a channel on uh, Coding by Female Slack called Open Source feel free to go there and just, you know, ask anything you'd like. I'm happy to review reviews.
1: Thank you so much, Isabel. Thank you so, so much. Those tips on how to make your profile a rock star profile were very, very helpful. And um, make your project shine. So um, again, we will be sharing kind of all this information after this event. So um, also use the open source. Slack channel. So next, let me just share my screen again. We have Danny. Danny will do a deep dive for us into the building blocks for facial recognition apps and touch upon how one gender bias can be another gender's norm and whether such classifications are still relevant. So, Danny, do we have you here? I will stop sharing my screen so you can share yours.
5: So, hi, my name is Danny and I am a software developer, and today I'm going to talk to you about a project called To Detect A Face. It's also what I call a deep dive into computer vision, um, classifications, and a whole lot of confusion. So why did I challenge myself last year to make a facial recognition application? This goes back to a while ago. Um, Basically, I was in China and I saw somebody pay for coffee with their face. And I thought, hold up, I can't even get through passport security. How is that happening? And so after talking about it for a bit, I decided now is the time to actually dig deep and find out what's going on, because classifying a living face is apparently a lot more difficult than just recognizing facial facial features Um, and I guess the best example I have of that is cars so is does anyone have like an image of what the Toyota Igo looks like because when I saw that car I fell in love and at the same time halfers happened to be selling eyelashes and so I got this entire set of eyelashes for my car and it did make sense because if you look at the iGo, they've got these slanted headlights. And if you put the, he- the um, eyelashes on them, it really makes the headlights slash eyes pop. And then also it's got that grill on the bottom that could be a smiley face. And I would definitely say the windshield wipers represent eyebrows on a forehead. So I did that, named her Valerie, and that was the end of that. However, back to the main point, you could kind of see how a computer could mistake a dressed up car front for a face when a human wouldn't. We use our instinct and our memory to kind of look at features and see how they're separated to figure out if it's a face or not. And when it comes to things like facial recognition, we have to do the same thing but to something that has no real intuition or anything like that. And so given that, I don't know, looking at the geometric distance between features seemed like a good starting point. I chose that as the first method to build this application. So I do have to also say along the way, for some reason, I made it a gender recognition app. I have no idea why. We'll discuss that later, but just to let you know. Anyway, so building blocks, what actually needed to go into this application? So first of all, I needed to have images and I needed a large data set or or database of images and they needed to be varied and they need to have faces in them and they needed to have ones where there were no faces in them. And they need to have things where, I don't know, you had like a cushion that looked like a face in them. And then the next stage would be to actually detect a face in that image. And that is where software called OpenCV came in. It's an open source library that comes in Python, Java and C++. And it's great is basically to be able to detect objects in an image and then classify those objects. The next thing was then to actually be able to process these faces because faces are actually really complex things to look at. And that, if I even tried to do that with a computer, that would be very, very expensive. So needed to scale it down. And so that led to something called what I'd say the mean faces. Well basically, if we take this image of Oprah in black and white and have a look at it, you've got all these different regions and you have some regions of what we call high contrast. So the difference where the eyes are compared to the area just above the eyes. And then we've got low contrast, like the top of the cheekbones. We're really, or I was really interested in finding the features in her face and then the separation or the distance in the features on her face. So I would need a tool to be able to simplify her face or get the mean face. And that was done using something called eigenvectors and eigenfaces, you don't need to know about that. But that was also provided by Python. And then the next stage would be to put it into a machine learning system or what we call a support vector machine. And basically what that does is it takes a load of information or a load of images and it basically says, look at all of this information, classify it, and I'm going to only have two groups. So like yes, no, zero and one. So I'll I'll take that information, train on it and say all of this belongs in the zero category and then all of this belongs in the one category. And then what would happen later is I come along with another picture and it would compare that to what it knows. And it would say, compared to what I trained on before, this new image you've brought in is closer to the zero group than to the one group. And so from there, it can give a prediction about how it's been classified, zero or one or male or female. One thing I have to say is, Whenever you do look at any of these apps, and this is kind of a good thing, is they're always in black and white. And the reason they're always in black and white is because black and white is literally just more simpler to deal with than color photographs. If you know anything about pixels and um, like the scale of 0 to 255, having 0 to 255 in just black and white is a lot easier than having it in red green and blue so that's just the precursor thing okay so this is the good stuff so the first stage detect the face in the actual image so that was done using something called a Haar cascade and i did have no idea what that was before i actually started this um and what this is is like a feature extraction um algorithm and so you know it when you look at a face you know that the eyes are relatively darker compared to the areas above and below the eyes and that's extensively that's what's been done with this algorithm what it does is it says i'm going to detect areas of significance by looking at the contrast in black and white so if i take a horizontal slice through someone's eyes I'll have like a long black line and then a long white and white line beneath it. And then if I take a hot a vertical slice, it would be shifted and stuff like that. But because we can look at that and we can say we know that the eyes would be darker than the cheeks, and the middle of the nose would be brighter. We can it uses that to extract the features from like a training set find a pattern, use that pattern to represent the human face, and it does it over and over and over again iteratively. I had no intention of building that myself. So I got this, well, basically I found this tool called OpenCV, which I spoke about before, the open source library, and that's what they did. And they always tell you this with machine learning. They always say like, just treat it like a black box function. And so I did to some extent, but it was kind of good to get an understanding of how this whole thing works. One thing to know is it says, basically what the whole thing says is, give me your images and I'll tell you an outcome. But if we took a closer look, number one, let's look at this whole classifier thing. It says, I'm going to classify all, all of your images based on this cascade. But notice how it says frontal face. So these cascades have been pre, our pre-trained models, so we don't need to train them. But this one specifically says frontal face. So it's basically saying that the model works really well if the images you send it are of, for a person staring straight at the camera but not so well if it doesn't i mean that's not a bad thing but it's just something to know um image was turned to black and white as expected um and then what it also does is it also accounts for what we call scale factors so it says if there's multiple images in that picture then it kind of says if one image is closer to the camera than another, I should be able to account for that. And I thought that was a bit crazy actually, because I was thinking, do we actually do that when we look at people and look at their faces? Um, we probably do, but it just happens so quickly that can't you can't even register it. And basically though, once all that's done, once I've run all of once I ran all of that and all of the mo- many, many images. I could then have a set of images where a face was detected, crop it so it only included a face and then store that for further use, which I did. The next stage, though, and it's going to sound very, very similar to the previous stage, but it's slightly different, was then to get the mean faces. So the first stage was to say detect the faces. And the second stage was to say, simplify the faces so I can put it in my gender recognition, um, application. And at first sight, when I talk about it, you might think it's similar cause this one, the mean faces or the eigenfaces, It says, what we're going to do is we're going to draw a load of lines through Kelly Rowland's face and we're going to look for the look for the regions where we've got more information or less information and as you can guess high contrast is more information low contrast is less information so similarly it's saying that if i were to draw a vertical line through the eye, get more contrast in a certain direction and in another one not. And then what it does is it draws loads and loads of loads of lines through her face. And then it says, where I've got high contrast, these things are more important. Where I've got low contrast, these things are not important, so I'm gonna throw them away. And we end up with an image that looks like this. It sounds similar to the previous thing that was done with the hard cut scale, but What I learned was the big difference is, it's the difference on what you're trying to do. In the previous application, I was just trying to detect a face in the image. And so that was based on feature extraction. Now, I just wanna simplify the image. So this one, is based more on the geometrical difference between the faces. It took me a very long time to understand the difference, but I guess that's why machine learning is machine learning. Anyway, once I had done that for loads and loads of images, ended up with, I could end up with something like this. And you could say that, every single point on there represents one of these mean faces and because say for example the red ones are i don't know i've decided those are are all zero and the green ones are all one and then later i can do some magic and say if it's zero it's male if it's one it's female and then after that I can come in and say I'm going to throw in a different unknown eigen face or mean face in there and what the model will do is it will look at it and it will say my new unknown face lies pretty close to the red but not the top of the red so if it's like at the bottom of the red, not at the top of the red, it might say it's, I don't know, 60% red, which could be 60% one, which could be 60% male. And if it's at the top, it could be 99% one, 99% male. And so that's what I did with Oprah. And luckily enough, Oprah came out as 99% female. Thank God. And then I thought, that's quite nice. I mean, it was quite a nice journey to try and get to that, to try and understand how it all works. I mean, I got a better understanding of the difference between um detection and recognition and extracting features and the geometry of features and what kind of techniques to use in different situations and then I kind of thought why have I just done all of this because it took a long long time and I thought why have I actually built this application which It assigns an unknown person a gender that they might not recognise or they might not identify with. And given how great all this technology is and its potential, I mean, doing that is, I don't know, akin to watching Fox News or something like that. And I don't know, I guess it kind of reminded me of one of my other favourite projects of all time. I am not a pyromaniac but my background is in physics and I remember one of the greatest projects I ever learned about was the Manhattan Project and it was the project to build the world's first nuclear bomb and it was an amazing amazing project because you got scientists from all over the world working together so it wasn't just about the science it was also about the collaboration of these great minds and a lot of women were involved in that and they were hidden for a very, very long time but they were there and here in this slide, you can see just a few of them. All of them were women, all of them were physicists and their individual work paved the way to a really great scientific achievement. But one of them, Lise Smeitner, she actually challenged it. She'd been working on nuclear fission for a while before the Manhattan Project started. And then she was invited to join the actual project to build a bomb because of her work. And she just turned around and said, no, I want nothing to do with a bomb. She didn't want her work to be related to something that could cause a lot of destruction. And that was a really big stand because she was German-Jewish and a woman in the Second World War and she turned down the opportunity to work on a really great scientific project. And she went on to do amazing things afterwards. But she stood her ground and didn't give in. And I guess that's my challenge for me. And I'd also say that's my challenge to you. Be comfortable saying no. Be comfortable standing your ground. And be comfortable challenging anything you can. Because just because something can be built doesn't mean it should, thank you.
1: Wow, that was amazing, amazing. I think it's safe to say you will be going on to do amazing things as well. So thank you, Danny, and thank you for taking the time for taking us through that journey. Um, But I'm honestly speechless, that was amazing, thank you. moving on last but no means least we have faith and she will be talking around the topic of choose your challenge it is international women's day so we did have to have a speaker who will ch- ch- challenge us to choose our challenge I don't know if that made grammatical sense and apologies um, but faith will talk us through her personal career and her journey and hopes to redefine what success means. And her topic is, working mums can have it all. So you if you're on the call, I will stop sharing my screen and mute myself.
6: So ladies, um, uh, do we have any, we probably have men on, you know, on the line. I, I don't want to discriminate. So it's International Women's Month, I'm calling it. It's not a, a day, it's not enough. I think we deserve a month. Um, so welcome to my session. I am a working mom. Um, I have tried to put all the titles or things that I do so that you can see, because um, most of you are probably fairly young, so you probably haven't got children yet. But I would, I would say that twenty years ago, um, after university, I went to work, and then the idea of okay, you become a mom, then what happened? Um, And I just thought, you know what? As it's International Women's Day, and the theme is choose to challenge, I really wanted to put a positive spin, I wanted to, um, you know, to inspire those that want to become working moms or are already working moms to view it as an exciting time and something that to be treasured and to be cherished and to be celebrated because we don't celebrate it enough. We just hear of the struggles of being a working mom Um, and it could be even working dads. I think, you know, my presentation can actually be quite gender neutral even though the topic is moms but anyone that is looking after a, a young family could relate to this. Um, or those that have, um, I was thinking some of you are quite young, so you might have uh, siblings, you might have nieces, you have you might have cousins, but try and put yourself in the shoes of, you know, you you have opportunity to inspire others. You have opportunity to be a mentor. You have opportunity to be a coach. So really the narrative about working moms is something that uh, we see it so often portrayed in a very negative way. And, and I, I just can't even help, but you know, bring uh, the topic of uh, Harry and Megan to this conversation because they are the, the current very young family and I'm sure all of you have seen uh, the, the, the Oprah interview, uh, Working Mom, uh, you know, um, Megan how she has struggled with her mental well-being and that's something that I will touch on in my uh, presentation. So as I already said, my name is Faith Ruto. My day job is a keynote speaker. I'm a transformational coach and I'm an author. But behind my LinkedIn headline, I'm a mom of two. Uh, I do mentoring. I am an equality campaigner. Like most of you, uh, I'm sure after Black Lives Matter, we are now, uh, it's, you know, the, the change is in our hands. We have to be the change that we want to see. So I, I campaign very much about using my pl- platform for, for equality. I teach children at Sunday school. Um, I'm okay, I'm not a great teacher, but I, I try. Um, but uh, where did my journey begin? Uh, Some of you may remember me. I've already done a talk here actually once. Um, I'm originally from Uganda. I am married to a Kenyan. And uh, my journey in IT started when I did business IT. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do at university. So I decided, why don't I just do both, business and IT? I remember being told, women can't code. Don't even bother going into software development. Don't even bother thinking about going into computing. Women don't code. So if you're sitting here thinking, you know, we have less women in, in stems. we have less women in tech. That's because we were, most of us were told, don't bother coding, right? And some of us actually listened, like I did. I, I just thought, you know what? I can't be born with coding, it's too too complicated. Um, instead, I went to Shell and I did project management. Uh, I did change management and I really loved it. I'm a people person and, and that's where I was thriving. So after my career in Shell, or while at Shell actually, I did an MBA with Imperial. Uh, I was newly married. I was pregnant, so I finished my thesis with my baby strapped on my back, like we do in Uganda, and I absolutely loved it, I was having the time of my life, you know, amazing career with shells, you know, just finished my MBA with Imperial, I had my new baby, and obviously the decision of, you know, what, what am I going to do, you know, you can't have it all, that was the, the, the drum, you know, the drumming that was, you know, what I was told, you know, as a mom, you can't have it all, you're not going to do it, you can't be at work, you can't be at home, it was just constant voices of you cannot do it but at the same time I was going through uh, a mini life crisis I wasn't that old but the idea of what is my purpose you know what is my passion what am I here for those questions were just in my mind constantly and I will talk through my presentation in a minute but I just want I just want to kind of share with you six years ago I was at a crossroad between my career taking off or continuing you know in the corporate career or stepping out and actually doing something that was aligned to my calling in life. And and that calling really was when I started my company called Transformation 21st and I'll carry on. I talk a lot, but I'll just, you you get the picture. And obviously I'm an author, you can see my book. The good thing about my book is I am sponsoring a school in Northern Uganda where I grew up. So if you buy my book, money goes straight to that school. Quickly then, um, my coaching is all about um, working with leaders. I believe we're all leaders. You don't have to have a title. Everyone is a leader. Um, it's about confidence as working moms and everyone. We need confidence, uh, resilience. Your resilience will be tested as a, as a mom, but everyone, right? We've all seen with COVID. You know, without resilience, we cannot uh, um, thrive in our world. We cannot do what we want to do. So, really, the core things that I teach my clients on, whether that's with one of the clients as big Shell or in individuals, it's really around uh, leadership, confidence, and resilience. These are some of the, the, the brands that I've worked with. Um, I've also included a new one here, which you probably have never seen before. It's called We Are Equal, full stop. After Black Life Matter, uh, I'm sure all of you were moved to action. Uh, one of the things that I did was um, set up a platform called We Are Equal, full stop. Because, yes, you know, there's different color. Yes, there's different gender. But guess what? We just want an equality. We just want to be treated equally. And yes, we're unique, but we just want that opportunity. And for me, the platform that I've created is to give a voice, is for individuals like yourselves that might be going through challenges in your workplaces that you, know, you want somewhere to go and you know, somewhere to go. Or it could even be for leaders saying, you know, we don't have enough uh, black people in our organization, why? Uh, so it's a real safe space for conversation and we meet once a month and it's amazing. So I would definitely advocate for everyone to, to you know, check it out, we're equal uh, and join us for a you know, conversation. Um, very quickly then, what are some of the myths about working moms? Um, these are some of the things that I have experienced. These are some of the things that my clients have experienced. Working mothers do not dedicate enough time to their kids. So you're left to feel guilty. Sometimes as mom, you feel guilty before anyone even make any comment to you. So you find that you're running between work and home, right? You know, back and forth, back and forth. There's also this myth about working moms uh, are not committed to their jobs as others. And I would actually say COVID has been a blessing for some working moms because you don't have to make an excuse that you need to work from home because your child is sick. You don't need to say um, you know, uh, I can't come on, on the call at nine because you need to take your kids to school. So there's actually been a positive for some working mums out of COVID, but also there's been a negative. A lot of working moms um, here in the UK work in jobs that are uh, you know, like in retail, for example. Uh, these, these sectors have been hit very hard So you would actually find that when we talk about gender equality, um, working moms are really at a high disadvantage because they've had to homeschool. And as a result, some of them have had to really stop working altogether or because they've been followed, you know, they they have been set back. So there's going to be uh, definitely the myth, but then there's the reality because of COVID and we can't ignore that. And then the last one, the myth that, okay, working moms are more stressed out or, um, you know, they, they suffer from burnout. I would say that their myth or reality, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you, this is a perception that you carry on, you know, believing because there are actually remedies to this. I believe that there are remedies and I have experienced it myself. Now, putting that aside, you all work in tech, right? Um, There are biases and inequality. It's a given, you know, just just Google it and you'll find lots of biases about women working in tech. There's inequality. um, You know, how many very senior uh, black female tech leaders do you know? How many can you name? How many have you seen, right? You probably can count them with one hand. You probably can count them with, you know, it's not as many, right? So there is clearly something that is going on that needs to be fixed. Um, there's the motherhood penalty I've already mentioned, you know, the loss of earning, the overwhelm. They're there, but it doesn't mean that you can't become a mom if you want to, if that's your, your vision for the future. It doesn't mean that you, you should say, okay, that's not going to happen. There's a way to manage that. Um, okay, there's a question about lack of role models. Like I said, I was told girls don't court, So we're still suffering from some of that. And then clearly they burn out. Um, a lot of clients that I have, they work in tech. Uh, they say to me, look, Faith, you know, we have, you know, we, we try to have a work-life balance. We're trying to have flexibility. But when, you know, when we're going live or when we're doing this, when we're doing that, hands on deck, weekends, we're working weekends, we're working nights, we're doing this. So clearly, you know, there is an element of, you know, being in tech, how, it can be um, challenging for women. And again, there are solutions, but these are things that we know exist. And and if we know it exists, we can put solutions in place or we can challenge them, especially the one around bias and inequality. You know, it's about your role now as young future leaders to challenge those biases so that the, the people coming behind you won't have to, you know, to go through the hopes that you're going through or the challenges that you're facing. Okay, um, so strategies for success. So some of, I mean, I could not, I could not, I wanted to fit so many things on this screen, but really I couldn't because of my timing. But what I thought was really important is that start to challenge the narrative about success for women, even for black women, what does success look like? It's different for different people. So be intentional, define your own success. Don't wait for someone to tell you what success look like. Try and define that yourself, because that's gonna help you to to create a vision of your future that you want to see. That you're gonna feel proud of. It's not gonna be something that has been uh, forced on you or something that is not what you want. So be really intentional. Be fearless. My mantra is live by faith, not fear. Really, we can't tell the future, but you can start to plan for it. You can start to, you know, to to create a vision and create the reality that you want to see. This is really important. Prioritize your mental uh, mental health and your mental well-being. I cannot tell tell you this enough. And especially being in tech, this. High, you're in a high-pressure environment where you know system go lives, testing, things failing. You know, I, I had a stint of uh, experience working in, in IT. It can be quite frustrating because you think, "Wow, I've just coded this. How can it not be? You know, how come it's not working?" You know, or you might have a client. You promise a client, you have to deliver. You can't let them down. So you just have to be really aware of yourself. You have to take care of yourself. Um, you know, you have to you know, think about you know self-love and 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 really looking after your well-being. But also don't be afraid to ask for help. A lot of you are probably very early in your career. So you're eager to impress. You're eager to deliver. You're eager to, you know, to create a record, to create your own path. That is all very well. And that's, that's amazing. That's the attitude you should have. But don't forget, you know, your mental health. Don't uh, put everything above you and not uh, take care of yourself. So learn to ask for help. Uh, Help doesn't have to be like, I want three months of work you know actually you want to you want to get little help before you need three months of work so really just very simple things like you know i need some time out or i need to have a weekend free or you know just learn and practice asking for help is great if you're already a mom and you think oh gosh faith that's all very good and very nice but i can't do it because i'm in lockdown i have no family support i'm here all by myself um, i hear you and i would say again it's not about saying ask for help if there's no help but it's just even accepting, accepting that actually right now I am not in the best frame of mind or I am not my best self, uh, looking at apps, you know, looking at things that can help you just for that temporary solution or temporary time that you don't have any support is really key. But don't suffer in silence. That's my key message on that one. Cultivate a growth mindset. You're already intact. You know how fast things change, right? Um, I don't need to tell you that. So embracing change, it means... Even in the term, in terms of your own future, make sure that you are embracing change. You have resilience. Um, you know, you see all the failures as opportunity for growth. Of course, don't set out to fail. That's that's not what I'm saying. But when you fail, you know, don't don't let that stop you from going forward. Or if you're frustrated because now you're not, you can't find the job that you wanted before COVID, you know, pivot. When we say pivot, what do you, what does that mean? Just go on LinkedIn and start thinking: Who has the job that I really want? How did they get there? Can I have a virtual coffee with them? You know, what can I do? What languages can I learn instead? What skills can I pick up? You know, some of the speakers talked about look for opportunity. Um, there's a great opportunity that is emerging from this COVID time. Uh, try and, you know, leverage that. And as, and once you become a mom, you know, you might realize that actually I don't want to do what I was doing before. What can I do instead? And that's the bit about retraining. That's the bit about, you know, looking at the core skills that you have, looking at your, your strength and thinking, okay, I really love working with people so maybe I can do this instead so you can set up something for yourself but again the journey for motherhood for me what I've realized is not that you know you have turn 30 you have a baby and then one year later you go back to work and your career continues it can if that's what you want and that's why I say be intentional but if you're like me my daughter is 10 um, and I thought 10 is like she can take care of herself but I'm learning actually no, I pray have to wait until she's 18 after she's gone to uni and then there's the brother. So really, it's a journey and I just think, you know what, it's a choice that I have made and I, I love being a mom um, and I want everyone to start having that joy that being a mom is exciting, it's a fun thing to do, uh, it's a fun opportunity and it's not the end of your career. It, if anything, for me, it's like, it's just ignited a passion that I have that I, I probably didn't have as much before because before I was just go to uni, get a job, get paid, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But now I'm just like, you know what, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it really well. And I know a lot of other moms that are similar, like me, that like, whatever I do, it has to be done really well. I have to align with my passion um, and it's exciting. So for you, you're not probably there yet. Some of you are not there yet. It's, I just give, I want to give you that hope that motherhood is not all doom and gloom. There's excitement waiting for you if that's the path that you choose to go on. Um, and then finally have a support system and you don't need to be a mum to have this. This is for everyone on the call. Who is your mentor? You know, who is your coach? Who's your sponsor? Who is the person that you go to when you're feeling rubbish? Who is the person you go to when you're feeling really excited? Um, you, know, you know, who are the people that you look up to? Who are your role models? So for everyone on the call, who is your role model? Who is the person in your life that inspires you? You know, and, and do they know you exist? You know, do you, do you, are you in touch with them? Are you contacting, you know, you're you experiencing this lockdown. You know, how is your relationship with others? you know, just pick up the phone. You know, we're all very busy texting and all the things. Pick up the phone. If it's members of your family, call them. You know, just be in this moment, enjoy the journey that you're on. Um, if you're not having a great time, I've already said, you know, um, please get try and get help if you can. Uh, don't feel like you're on your own because everyone is going through their own journey. Uh, it's challenging time for a lot of people, but you can do that with someone and make sure that you have the support. Um, Okay and then I think that's mainly what I wanted to tell you and then clearly you know if you want to stay you know get in touch with me I'm on LinkedIn you can email me you can go on my website I've got two websites I'm trying to work out which one I'm going to keep but you can go on both of them Uh, and finally um, I've set up a a mini opera Instagram live show called Global Face Talk because I like to talk so if any of you want to come on uh, on the Instagram page and just tell me what you are up to. I think you're on inspirational. Um, please find me on Global Faith Talk Instagram page. And that's my talk. And happy International Women's Day.
1: And to you and to you too. Thank you very <laughs> so much, Faith. You are truly paving the way an in inspiration, challenging the narrative, being told women don't code to having a baby on your back whilst doing a thesis. Wow, thank you so much. I definitely think um, those strategies of success are something to take away, especially that point around protecting your energy and prioritizing your mental health so thank you so much faith thank you also to caroline who's unfortunately had to drop off the call danny um Yem, uh isabel and to you faith as well um if i can invite you all back so that we can answer any questions now is your opportunity guys to send any questions to our amazing panelists Um, we can do it two ways either you raise your hand virtually um, and then I'll unmute you and you can ask your question live over the air or you can just send a message via the chat function so do we have any questions I'm going to stop sharing so I can see any that come through oh Caroline's still here amazing right so we've had a question come through and this is for Faith and it says hi faith i am 34 today happy birthday charlene happy birthday indeed um and i'm a single mother of four and want to say that i love your presentation i really want to use my story to inspire other mums and challenge some of the myths and
6: biases mentioned but i'm quite new to the tech space do you have any advice well you're not new anymore we all know who you are now and we know how old you are (laughs) i think just put yourself out there you know just 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 like you have just be courageous, um, connect with people and just put yourself out there. You're welcome on my show. It's all about inspiring moms um, and, and everybody else. So, you know, let's connect and yeah, but just put yourself out there because a lot of people need to hear the positivity around motherhood. You know, I was raised by a single mom of four and, you know, she's been my, my role model. So she could, you know, if she can do it, we can all do it.
1: Amazing. Thank you very much
6: do we have any other questions
1: I feel like all of your presentations were just so informative that we don't have any questions coming through but if you do have any remember to use the chat and um also we can ask over slack and the whatsapp as well um but if we don't have any questions I think it is
6: probably oh We've we got a question. Sorry, I have a question. oh on, Faith. What's your question? It's probably to Danny or any of you. Um, getting kids into coding and tech. Where you know what is what would you say is the most important thing for to for them to get into?
5: I can take this. I actually used to be a teacher in a school, um, and I would say one of the I'd say one of the things is it's it's the exploration side of it before you actually introduce the technical part Mm. so it would be things like teaching them to code in terms of lego
6: Mm.
5: before teaching them to code in terms of an arduino okay cool um so I, and then that's that. That's what I would say. I would say teach them to code in something in terms of something physical, before you take it to the more abstract, which they can't process as easily.
6: Cool. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Does anyone have anything else to add on that? No. Okay. Well, thank you so much again to our amazing speakers. Um, if You are watching on YouTube. Sorry, I lost myself for a second there. Um, We are going to start networking. So the best thing to do... Sorry, I've lost my screen. Oh, no. (laughs) this is your chance to make some new connections and network network with some other black women within tech if you're joining us via youtube head over to our meetup page and join us on zoom because we'll be putting you into breakout rooms for probably about six minutes each just one or two of you in the room so you can really get a chance to chat i'm going to give you a two minute comfort break so you can go get a cup of tea glass of wine whatever you prefer um and then if you come back and head into the networking please don't go anywhere because after networking we'll be picking a lucky winner for some of the amazing prizes that we have to give away but whilst i sort you out all into breakout rooms feel free and if i could have you all back by let's say um two minutes let's just say two minutes <laughs> but thank you once again to our amazing speakers and see you in two
0: Thank you for listening. To find out more about what we do, head to codeinblackfemales.com.